Hello, and welcome to the BNY Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I am here. You just gave this whole pep talk about high energy before this recording, only to have your intro be a yawn. It was, I, I tried, well, I tried to make it sound as normal as I physically could because I was on the end of one, but I, I, apparently I did not succeed. Well, how's the energy looking for the basket maker, Mark Gorski? I have a lot of energy, Owen. We've got some good topics to talk about. When I cooked up, I'm very excited to hear people's answers. Not excited to hear Peter's answers because I briefly talked with him about it. And I don't think I'm going to get, I don't think we're going to get something good from him for the first topic tonight. Um, all right, everyone. I'm fucking happy to be here. Jesus. <laughs> I Now I'm worried that there's like a lot of expectations on, on my answers for this first topic, but oh, no. I, I have a, I have a quick thing that I just want to bring up about games. Oh, wait, actually first housekeeping episodes each Monday, uh, unless we choose to mix things up for some reason, like we did last week. You guys week, don't but, pay us anything. We don't owe you anything, but generally each Monday, um, if you're new to the show, I encourage you to look at our backlog of episodes. Please rate us on podcast services. No matter what service, if you see a rating thing, it has to be good. Our current game club game is Control. And now my gaming thing. So we we talk a lot about, like, oh, what's the year looking like? Has this been a good year? Has this been a bad year? Well, around the time the year ends, we're going to have that conversation again. But I had the realization today that literally all Horizon Forbidden West had to do was come out in, like, April. And it just would have been fine. It just would have been completely fine. It would have been remembered, would have been way more in the zeitgeist, but Elden Ring just completely obliterated it. Completely. I, like, it, it probably took me too long to have this realization, but I mean, we're in one of the driest periods I can remember in in like recent time. And if that was the number one like AAA game out now, I mean, I, I really feel like people would be singing its praises, and we wouldn't be having this conversation about how it's cursed. All they had to do was just sit on it a little bit longer. That's that's one thing that it really kind of bothers me in gaming because only Nintendo seems to do this where Nintendo will finish something and just wait. Yet most other companies don't seem to have the balls to do that. I don't really know why when a lot of the time I think they would be better off to do that. I think Nintendo just has a lot more coming out that they can kind of like move the pieces on the table where and when they want to. Whereas when a Sony game comes out, there's not like it. You don't know when another one's coming out for. I mean, sure. God of war is around the corner supposedly, but I'm guessing Horizon just had to come out in that first quarter and there was no pushing it. Maybe they could have done March, but I feel like that's still in Elden Ring territory. At that it, point, was. So. it was. It yeah. was. Um, I don't know. Maybe the game will still have a long tail and it will never matter in the end because like Horizon Zero Dawn ended up selling a lot of copies. Mm-hmm. But it's just... It's unfortunate for that game and... You know, I I bet it could have used like a month and a half of polish, like this update that just came out at the state of play. Like maybe they could have gotten that done before. Don't launch. worry, don't worry, Owen. PlayStation's gonna make up all the money with their big hit film Gran Turismo coming to theaters next year. 
Okay, let's talk about that next. Um, I want to find the exact tweet that you sent yesterday uh, about the plot synopsis of Gran Turismo. Um, do you remember it well enough off the top of your head so that I'm not frantically looking for it? I'm pretty sure it was only like one or two sentences. Well, do you remember it? Well, yes. If I if I remember correctly, the plot synopsis is that a teenager who loves playing the game Gran Turismo learns to drive cars and like becomes a racer. That's it. That's the fucking that's the tagline. And it's just that's really what we're doing. Just teenager play game good now drive car. Gran Turismo come see it in the theaters. I I can't imagine a less inspired idea. And you got like a real director with Neil Blomkamp, director of District 9, really great sci-fi movie, and you get him to have a, a teenager drive probably like a neon blue car. Maybe cool. This, this idea. Maybe this is what he uh, had his vision of the movie being, and everyone else said, you know what, if he wants to do this, who are we to stop him? Jim Ryan. Or Jim Ryan did this, yeah. Ecstatic about this idea, I'm sure. I bet he thinks it's his original idea, and no one has come up with it. I just, if this is what the other movies and shows are going to be like down the road, I'm good. I know Mark and I just talked about how positive we are on the idea of, you know, the trans media, but if this is what it's going to look like, Jesus Christ. Can't say Green Christmas was like the one I was looking forward to the most by any means. Like, even if it wasn't this, but like, honestly, if this, like, kind of corny synopsis like wasn't the logline i probably wouldn't go see this movie at all because it's gran turismo and i wouldn't care but that's just me i think we overlooked in that episode conversation how sony hasn't really put out any inspired works with their franchises lately and we somehow just expect like their gaming things to to come out and be good and have work put into them. Is that foolish for us that we didn't discuss that? Uh, eh, I mean, their most, their most recent effort is Morbius. Oh, I mean, I mean, even before that, that's in within like the realm of games and adapting it. Like, I think uncharted is the one to point at and be like, Oh no, this, I mean, none of us have seen uncharted, right? Oh, and have you seen it? No, I wish I have. I'm going to watch it one day, but um, everything I've heard on it is like, it could have been worse, but it is by no means a noteworthy movie. Okay. I mean, look, I think right now, well, why? one th- reason, well, the main reason I get annoyed by the Grant's Rizzo plot synopsis, other than, other than it just being like generic garbage, is look at how many TV shows and movies PlayStation has already announced. And how many more they plan to work? How many more they plan to make? The vast majority of Sony productions are going to be based off PlayStation in the next few years. It seems like Sony is betting the house on them being able to make these franchises their next big TV and movie hits. But Sony just is not a studio where creativity and passion flourish, seemingly. And you see that, like with Owen said, with Morbius, with the Venom movies, with the amazing Spider-Man movies. They just, it just feels so robotic over there. You just have people over there 
They're just, hey, we need to make movie for the sake of movie. Not, hey, let's get a director who's really passionate about the project. Let's get a bunch of writers who've been pitching ideas. Let's get some actors who might be fans of the franchise or may have friends or family who are fans of the franchise. And maybe they talked them into it. Like, oh, I wanted to do this for them. But so far, this Gran Turismo description is just, what if a kid drove a car? (laughs) Whereas, but if you look at The Last of Us, it looks like a lot of love and care is being put into that. And I just, I want PlayStation, I want Sony to treat all these projects equally. Because if one succeeds, then you're going to have more eyes on the following project. Because they're going to look, oh, well, I guess Uncharted was not was better than I thought. So if Uncharted's better than I thought, then I'm willing to give Gran Turismo a try. But if Gran Turismo bombs, who's going to give a shit about their next movie? Or like, I feel like the percentage of people who will care will be less because they're like, okay, maybe, maybe all these movies aren't going to be treated the same. Um, did you guys ever see the movie Gamer with I'm Gerard sorry. Butler? Let me. Is this about a guy who like plays a video game and then starts killing people? No, no. It's a. Uh, that's what I. Okay. Good. It's about a video game that's melded within with real life because I mean kids play this violent game, but it turns out that the the people they're controlling are actually death row inmates, um, and they have to like fight to survive, and it has. Let me double check. I believe a 27 on Metacritic. Oh, my God. Yeah, 27. But I did watch it back in the day because it was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's really a... If it's really a good representation of our hobby. But I don't know. Maybe maybe Sony can make something inspired like that. Topic one. (laughs) Topic one is Mark's topic. I'm just calling them the E3 awards. Let's just call everything E3. I'm done with pretending like Summer of Games and shit like that. Uh, I do want to ask one prerequisite question for this, though. Hmm. So we we obviously are going to wait on tallying up our prediction stuff until this point, but we're saying that this rumored direct is not a part of E3. This past week was E3. Remember saying before that we wanted to hold out in case that was the case, and I would still be willing or interested in waiting for that rumored June 29th direct. If you guys don't want to do that, that's fine. We can do majority rule here. Peter, well, how do you I, feel? I definitely want to wait for that on the predictions. I'm yeah, more just of course. We I'm had more just Nintendo asking. predictions. Yeah. Um I'm more just asking in terms of what we're calling E3. Is it still just the week? Uh, I hmm, I would say no, because we're still waiting on Nintendo. So if anyone had something like, oh, Nintendo didn't have something on here, I would not count that. Okay. Well, uh, we are going to do some awards based on the past week of announcements. Uh, and Mark, I wrote them all in the doc. You came up with all of them if you want to tee them up. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can so just go through it. We got some positives and some negatives on here. The first one being our biggest disappointment or something to let us down the most. Because I'm sure we all have something to some degree to talk about there. The next one, we're going to each give out our own most shocking announcement or reveal. doesn't even have to be a new reveal. It could be something that showed up in the past too that goes for all of the stuff we're talking about. Because 
most of what we saw in the past week was stuff that got announced a long time ago. So I feel like we kind of have to play with that. Uh, another award I want to give out, number three, the missing announcement, as in something that just we maybe wanted to see here, but just never made its way here at all. And kind of bummed out that that wasn't here. Maybe could have could have changed how we felt about the event overall. Uh, our fourth award is going to be what we think is the most overlooked title, a game that kind of caught our attention. No one else is talking about it, and we want to give it a little bit of a pedestal to say, hey, everyone, look at this game. Or maybe something cool is here. And then for our grand finale, our personal favorite games we saw at the event in the past week. And I hope we're all on the same page with all of these, Peter. I want to be good. Yes, we are. Let's begin with biggest disappointment. Uh, who wants to go first? Peter. No, no, Mark. I think you should lead us. Okay. I can. I talked a little bit about this uh, last week's episode. But the fact that it's not a ground-up remake for Persona 3 was a really big disappointment for me. Like, I I jumped up at the reveal during the Xbox showcase, and then later on, once I found out more about it, I I slouched right back down and just thought, okay, well, I guess it's time for me to keep waiting because I don't think this is the version of Persona 3 I want to play. Maybe I'll cave at some point. Maybe it'll be like, maybe I, I'm not actually going to be, get this remake, and I should just play this game while it's on a modern console available to me. So... Time will tell, but right now that was a pretty big bummer because I I was I'd say of like games I'm looking forward to the most, whether it is games we have on our radar or our wildest dreams of reveals. This is this is up there that remake of Persona Three. So I'll just keep waiting. I think uh, a big thing with disappointment from from these type of shows is the the rise in your happiness because you think something is one thing and then finding out that it's actually entirely not what you want Mm -hmm. is a surefire way for disappointment. Yeah. Especially when, because like after you sit with that, you realize, Oh wait, now the thing that I wanted to happen is probably never actually going to happen. (laughs) The thing that's almost like it is just here. And that's what I get to, that's what I have to settle for. So it does suck. It really does. I have two, and I want to see if Peter takes one of them. So, Peter, you go next. Hmm. My biggest disappointment. Does it have to be a game? I don't think so. I think it can be any part of this. Games Fest dying in my eyes is my biggest disappointment. And Um, ding, ding, ding. You just took one of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, Game Fest is dead in the water. I'm not. Probably, I'm never going to get excited for them. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be that cynical. I'm in a decent mood tonight, too. I don't think I'm coming into this like a sourpuss. And I, but I've said it on last week's episode of just this was Jeff's time to really show off what Games Fest can be. And he didn't. And I've heard some people say, well, if he's trying, he's trying to build the show into something he had, he had to have had something this year. He had to have. I would argue, no, he didn't. And I feel the show has lost quality. I don't say credibility. I feel like it's a bit extreme, but people are now going to be lower on Summer Games Fest because of the show he had this year, because he was alone on stage. He was not competing with anyone. He had all eyes on him and he didn't do anything with it. So please just focus on the game awards. He can still do opening night live at Gamescom. No one has any expectations for that anyway, but yeah, Games Fest just dying in my eyes was my biggest disappointment. I think I completely agree with you, obviously. Uh, we went over it on 
the recap of it, I, it was a massive failure. Uh, I think a lot of people are just going to keep letting him ride because he got one fairly underwhelming Elden Ring trailer in the grand scheme of things. Like he, he got an Elden Ring trailer when none had previously existed. So that's a big deal. But beyond that, I mean, I remember that summer games fest sucking and this one sucked too. He didn't just have one announcement. And so many people think that like one announcement can make up for everything. And I just, I don't believe that to be true. I think there should be a some level of quality across the board. You get a few misses, but you can't have misses the entire time and then hit the final shot and think that you won the game. The one thing I have to say to that, Owen, is just you look at some of these games, you have to realize that one's just not for me. And someone else out there is probably really no, bad. no. <laughs> I used to, well because I'm fine with that for Nintendo Directs because Directs are like forty minutes. This was two hours. I, I, I think there's also there's a level of I've I've been on this corner for a while since we started this podcast of sometimes when people say like oh well clearly this wasn't for me but was it. It was probably for someone. I'm starting to question how much something is for someone when it seems to be for our, for no one that I know. And I think there's a level of like objective quality that we we can see based on what they're showing us. And I'm trying to think of, of a good example. Uh it, not necessarily speaking to the quality of the game, but the quality of what they showed us, like something like that Stormgate trailer that I picked on during the recap. And I'm sure you're about to again. And I am. Because based on that trailer, is that game for anyone? I don't know who it's for. I don't I don't know how it could possibly be for you because they didn't show us anything and what they did show us was I thought very cringy. So that that's not something that gets to be written off as like, oh, not for me. If they had showed a Blizzard-like real-time strategy game in like being played and it has like say an interesting art style or just like you can see some quality of a game being put together here, I could say, oh, that's not for me. But like uh, ex-Blizzard devs, I'm sure people are excited. But based on what they showed us, that's for no one. For no one. No one's excited about that because that what they showed us made no one excited. I, I would say for Summer Games Fest, yeah, I feel like I'm in the same mentality as you. A lot of it just looked really generic. Like a lot of the games we poked at with the weird titles that just sounded so bland and nothing. Uh, I don't know. I feel like those games are almost destined to just disappear a month after they launch. Unless they really can show us that their game is different. From what we saw there, they just blend together. It's nothing. All right. My biggest disappointment is similar to Mark in that, like, I was taken, I was taken up to the top of a roller coaster and I was very disappointed when it dropped down. And that would be the fact that I thought the beginning of the Xbox showcase was so strong 
potential for their strongest one ever. And then it was just brought down by the fact that we need an extended Forza showcase. We need a Sea of Thieves season. We need a 40th anniversary of Flight Simulator. Like, these things that just shouldn't have been shown in the main showcase. And one thing I was shocked by, they had that extended showcase. I didn't watch a second of it, and I couldn't be happier because... Uh, like I saw people doing reactions to it. I'm pretty sure like three total announcements came out of it. And I just can't imagine having spent my time that way. Do you know what the announcements were? Cause I haven't taken a look at it yet. Well, I know one of them that I kind of wish was substituted into the show, which was Valheim on game pass and Valheim coming to console. Oh, that was there. Oh okay. yeah. I, I did hear about that, but just didn't realize it was part of that. Yeah, like, okay. Why wasn't why that a part of the they, main show? Yeah. Why is that not on the main show, but the flight simulator update is? I don't know. And also, they did give like a little bit of a little more look at like Stalker 2 and talked about some of their struggles with uh, in Ukraine and everything. And like, that's another thing that I think that would have been more interesting than like some of the stuff that they showed us. I know Stalker 2 is a game that I look at and I think maybe that's not for me. I can't quite say yet, but I think it looks good. I think it's a game worth talking about. Um, and that was another thing in the extended showcase that probably could have subbed in for, for one of these season updates because I, there's just no place for them in the big show. Uh, so that was my biggest disappointment. The fact that Microsoft kind of like shot themselves in the foot by deciding like, Oh, we got to update people on the current things already. Like that. Those people will find out that news, share it somewhere else, please. All right. We can move on to most shocking announcement. This is a tough one. It is a tough one. Even <laughs> even I was struggling. Do you want to go first? Yeah, Silk Song on Game Pass. Okay. That's the that's, only moment that I was actually genuinely shocked at, I think. That's actually what mine is also. This that we actually saw Silk Song gameplay and it will come out in twelve months. We'll see on that twelve months. Um it, it might not be, but the way that they are framing it right now, they are saying everything will be within twelve months and the fact that, that possibility has just been put into uh like into play when we had no expectation like i'm not like not to expect it ever especially not at an xbox showcase because everyone has been looking at nintendo indie directs for this game and bam just here it is and there's also been an assumption of like basically no one assumed it would go to xbox everyone thought like oh maybe summer games fest maybe nintendo maybe a state of play and like xbox was never listed on that Mm -hmm. and one thing I haven't paid as much attention to the discourse since then, but I said it to Peter in like the, the hour or two following the showcase is that not to get too console worry, but all I saw were a ton of people like talking shit about the showcase. When if Sony got a a trailer, like a hollow Knight silk song, that's all anyone would be talking about. They would be talking about how amazing it was that Sony got that at their show. And I saw like no one, no one giving Xbox their flowers. And I thought, and they the further we it. get out from the last state of play, the more you realize, Oh, that was all third party. 
So yes. why are we praising Sony for games that will also be available on other platforms? And I'm a believer of, like, I'm down to praise both. I just want the energy to be consistent because I thought the state of play was a good show. It might all be third party, but I, it was a good game show. I think it's also a good game show thing to see Hollow Knight Silk Song shown off. I'm going to give credit to Xbox for that. People always say that, oh, there's a PlayStation and Nintendo bias whenever, you know, we have like subpar showcases or Nintendo or like at directs. I agree that there is a PlayStation bias. I disagree that there is a Nintendo bias because whenever Nintendo shows off first party games or, you know, or like double A or indie games, people always say, oh, if, if Xbox is showing this off, people wouldn't have been losing their shit. But you see how well Nintendo first party sells, no matter the franchise. So when you hear these random people get excited for this niche Nintendo franchise you haven't heard of, and then this like said franchise goes on to sell like three to four million units, cool. I wouldn't call that a Nintendo bias if the software is able to gather that much of an audience. Whereas PlayStation announces third party games, and everyone's like, ah. I myself included, I think that's the best state of play that they've ever done. That being said, I did not think, oh my, like, at first I thought I was blindsided, you know, I had rose-tinted glasses because I was just surprised that the state of play was consistently showing off games that were worth a damn, but once you sit down and actually absorb all the information and think it through, you realize, oh, that state of play actually wasn't that good. No, I, I, I think it was good. I think it was, it, good it was a good state of play. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter that it wasn't exclusive stuff. It was a good showcase of games. Um, yeah, nah. Video games won. That yeah, game. nah. Oh my god, you guys, video games, green heart, like Twitter emojis. I'm sorry. I like conferences to show me why I should specifically be excited about that platform. Exclusives to me are the main reason to get excited for conferences. That's how I feel. I feel like if if conferences are only third parties, at that point they might as well just be tweets. Okay. I just want to see games I want to play. That's all that matters. And at this PlayStation event, there were games I want to I play. I feel like exclusives are what actually drive everyone to try to be better and to do better. And if both conferences are just third parties, I just kind of get the feeling that we're stagnant. And no, Xbox and PlayStation aren't really pushing each other to do more. You know what I mean? I think exclusives are a big part of it. Um, especially, I mean, they were especially a big part of it in the doldrums of the Xbox One. Because all they ever showed off were third parties because they didn't have any first party games. And that was a problem. I think both of them... I'll even give Xbox this credit because, I mean, we know enough on the horizon of, like, I've I've seen games announced that are exclusives. I trust that they're going, at least most of them are going to come out. If you want to make your show better by getting Resident Evil 4 Remake, do it. Like, that's not a question. Like, seeing Resident Evil 4 Remake made that show cooler. It did, but well, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, it just does not compute with me of where I see that and I go, 
Good on PlayStation. They have a better show for this. I just think, oh, Capcom's making a lot of good games right now. Good for them. Well, here's one thing to take into consideration with your mentality, Peter. They did say a lot of the stuff is coming to VR, some of the Capcom stuff. So that's something. Yeah, but we don't even know when VR is coming out. We don't, but Xbox just will not have VR. Oh, so. that's fair. Uh, that's why, again, I I do not. Th- I'm not certainly going to be the one screaming. Oh, this was an awful state of play. And I'll still say it was good, but I just don't think it was maybe as good as we originally thought it to be. I, although FF16 is exclusive, and as we've seen with FF7 Remake, that shit is going to stay exclusive I as long know. as PlayStation did, still breathes. Did you guys see the tweet from the snitch? Oh, okay, why? Why do we need another fucking insider? Why do we need another one? I, I, I've I been trying know. to ignore this guy like... The, I've been trying to ignore this guy like the plague. It's like, look, we have... Jez, we have Jeff Grubb, we have Schreier. That's enough. And we can now kind of also, we're starting to get Tom Henderson too. Like, we're having too many insiders. All of you shut the fuck up. Imran Khan also. He's working on his next. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, oh, my. Yeah. Uh, Mark, yeah. Before he showed up, he's going to leak something else. He has said something is, he's working on his next piece. So it's coming. Uh, Mark, have you heard of the snitch? I don't. I want to hear about him. What's this guy doing? It's a random Twitter account that showed up on June 2nd and just tweeted out the entire rundown of the state of play. Uh, it's referenced that Kojima game overdose. Uh, before the announcement at Summer Games Fest, it got the Last of Us Part 1 release date. It got Day 1 Hollow Knight on Game Pass. Um, what else does it have here? It leaked Persona before the... Uh, before the Xbox conference, mm-hmm. and they just tweeted an image that appears to be from an FF7 remake. I don't know which one it is, with a blue square, a green square, a red square, and a black square. Mark, it's hinting that the remastering Crisis Core. Uh, I had a friend of mine message about that uh, earlier, and I started Googling Crisis Core, and I couldn't find anybody talking about it. So that makes sense then. Yeah, it's the reference, and again, the whole thing is like, oh, FF7 Remake, probably still not coming to Xbox, but they're probably, if, if they're remastering and remaking Crisis Core, that might come to Xbox, in which case it's like, why why would you port the prequel of this remake, but not the remake itself, you know what I mean? I mean, maybe in time, I don't know. I'm still convinced that PlayStation's going to buy Square Enix. I'm still convinced of that. I'm we'll sure they've tried. They're but, trying at the very least. But that was not my most shocking announcement, which I still have not shared. Uh, I think I think my most shocking is probably just Persona on Xbox. Because I feel like that's the only other thing that could be shocking. You're not going to play them. No, I never said I'm going to play them. I, I play Royal. I no, might I play don't. Golden. I like I could see myself playing Golden down the line, especially with I can, it being on Game Pass. I can see you playing Golden if I've gone blind. But other than that, you're not gonna play Golden. We both know you're not. Why why are you you are challenging someone that has beaten Persona 5 Royal? Why are you because doing Because Persona 5 was the cool game where you're like, see you guys, I'm a weeaboo too. I I, I like the That's, anime. That is just a bull's face lie. I brought the PS2 copy of Persona 4 to your house to play it. 
Oh, did you? How much? How how much did you? How much did you play it? I played twenty five hours, and then I went to college, so I stopped playing it. You played twenty five hours of that at my house. You were full of shit. Not you at your liar. house. Not at your house. But I bought Persona Four on PS two when Persona Five trailers were coming out. I'm not. I, I'm not like this full on bandwagon. I hey, you said it, not me. I never used that word. Oh, how dare he question it whether or not I'm a weeaboo. Are you going to play a Hollow Knight Silk song? No. Okay. Well, I think we're all even here then. I think it's totally fine. Owen, are you able to continue hosting the podcast under these strenuous conditions? Missing announcement we wanted to see. I'm going first. (laughs) I just want to know what the fuck is going on with God of War Ragnarok. I just want the rumors to stop, and I want to know, is it coming out this year or not? Because the press cycle on that game is driving me bonkers. Especially since Peter's success relies on it. It's coming out this year. We can just we can stop pretending it's not. We know it's coming out this year. Uh, we'll probably... I Corey Bar- Barlog is back on Twitter. After he had turned off his account for months, and now his entire his Twitter is just cryptic, with a vague. Let me actually look up because yeah, his Twitter banner is just like dot dot dot. His profile description is just looks to be like little lines that are supposed to be like where letters should encompass. But and apparently he's been hinting that yes, we're going to be announcing soon the release date. Yeah, well, they could have announced this past week, but they didn't. So I'm disappointed. It was a missing announcement I wanted to see. Peter, your most, uh, your biggest disappointment, or your your missing announcement? Pardon me. Missing announcement out of all three. I understand that they're in a bad place, and I have talked badly about them quite a bit and I plan to do more. <laughs> but I really would have liked if Halo Infinite had come and just reminded everyone that it's still a great game. And I wish that the Battle Royale ro- ro- was ready. And I know that's unrealistic of me. I was expecting to see Halo Infinite in some form. I think if they really had nothing to show, it's better off they didn't come. But the fact that it's just a whole year... Forza Horizon shows up. Sea of Thieves shows up. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator shows up. All their other ongoing games... Grounded! All their other ongoing games show up. But the crown jewel... Doesn't come. And... There's a bit of a shame... Hanging around the two. You're, you show up to the party like... Oh, did, did Ken come? And like, no, he... He's going through some shit right now. You're, you're probably better off not seeing him. It's for his best that he's not here. It's just like, he's not off doing something else fun. He's just, he's a mess. And you're embarrassed to show him off right now. And you can't believe that he's had such a high fall from grace when he used to be the man. And I wait for the day eagerly that Ken comes back with a battle royale and gets a streamers to remind everyone that Halo Infinite has great gameplay. Just a bad campaign mode. It's and not, not enough content. <laughs> Owen, 
Opinions are allowed tonight. You are freaking out over every little thing. No, it's just it's just your opinions, Peter. Actually, it's just yours. I no, I won't say that on the pod. Okay, no, go ahead. You know what? No, I you're right. I need to be more positive, Peter. I'm so happy to be doing this with you tonight, and I agree. I agree with everything you say. Well, I'd be happier if you enjoyed my company, but clearly you don't, so I don't know if I'm happier here, Owen. No, I am just so happy because I love video games, and this podcast is good for video games. And also, Games Pass is the best deal in gaming. Yes, of course. How could I forget? My God, I'm so embarrassed. Mark, your missing announcement you wanted to see. We ruled that Nintendo. It yes, would be that. We, we have Nintendo coming, so we think, we think. We believe. We, we pray to God. In a world if in a world where that doesn't actually happen, then that would definitely take number one for sure. But uh Somerville, nowhere to be seen. And this is maybe more so uh lined up with our 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 draft, because I'm really banking on it. But Nintendo or Xbox showed it off in like this splash screen of games still coming out in twenty twenty two, but the fact that we didn't get a trailer for it today just makes me worry. Like, is it really coming out this year? Is it going to be good? And uh, I'd really like to see them really, uh, really come on strong with whenever that last trailer shows off, shows up. Like something that gives makes me confident, not just that it's launching this year, but it's going to be a top tier game that we all know it's going to be. They really got you with the fake out. When they revealed Cocoon and an- yet another person claims to be like the main creator of Limbo and Inside. Yeah. Like I really thought, oh shit, here it is. We're finally going to get it. Watch everyone. This game's going to be amazing. You guys should all sweat bullets when the, this game comes out and reviews incredibly well. But instead, we have Owen here with an 87 today with TMNT. Fuck yes. None of us picked up Neon White for 88. Yeah. I, I re- had not even retained that that game was a thing. You've seen it in maybe five different shows. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember it. I'm not trying to be cute. I don't fucking remember this game. I I legitimately think it's been in multiple Keeley presentations and at least one direct thing, I'm pretty sure. Peter well, doesn't watch clear. the indie direct, so Peter would not. Oh, see it was an indie direct. True. Okay, okay. Yeah. That is true. I do not watch them. Um but yeah, shocking. Doesn't seem like my kind of game, but uh, with like the card mechanics, but just 88 points unclaimed. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention in the missing announcement category to the fact that we didn't get one out of Avowed, Fable, and Hellblade 2. I thought we would have at least seen one of them. If not, if not all of them. I mean, uh, we didn't know the gimmick of like the next 12 months going into this show. But I would have expected to see something and uh, pat ourselves on the back. We were right on the money when video games said, are hard to make. Be oh, patient. Uh, right. Okay, how dare you? You're correct. You're correct. We're in a pandemic. Things are hard. Work from home. Let me see if there's any other generic answers I haven't gotten yet. I'll get back to you. Uh, their initial trailer was actually just about hiring, so they're really not that far along. No, and if you ask for gameplay, you're a bad person. Um, 
But we were correct in our assessment of if we don't see Avowed in this show, that means the game is probably in trouble. And wouldn't you know, there were reports that the game has been rebooted and it is, in fact, in trouble. What a shock. Now, Trier came out and said, hey, everyone, it's not in, tr- it's not in development hell. The uh, It was just a, an organic swapping of personnel. Apparently, some people had to leave for family reasons. Game is still on track. Just had some adjustments in 2020. So it's not rebooted. And he even deleted the original tweet because he didn't want people to start spreading stories. But, uh, Jason, what do you think is going to happen? uh, He didn't want people to start spreading stories based on his tweet about how the game has been rebooted multiple times. (laughs) He drops a bunch of mics. I mean, he drops a bunch of cheese and he yells at the mics not to eat it. He's like, I didn't think you guys would eat the cheese. I just uh, thought you'd look at it from afar. This is, again, one of my biggest frustrations. It's typically... It's typically Grub stepping on the mousetrap, but all of these gaming insiders, they like have their inflammatory tweet version of their headline, and then they completely walk it back and talk about how it got misinterpreted. Like, come on. Just yeah, with, use the accurate the context, language. Yeah, without the context, I don't know what they can expect to happen. They got to realize what kind of power and influence they have over any tidbit of news and how far people will go with it. All right. Overlooked announcement that needs more attention. Who wants to go? I got two. Uh, I have one. Go first. Go um, for it. One of my uh, announcements I don't think is necessarily overlooked, but I don't think everyone here saw the Devolver presentation, and there was a real winner in there called the Plucky Squire. Have you guys heard of this at all? No. Um, I have, I believe. Let me look it up and make sure. Yes, I have. And the trailer is phenomenal i at least wanted to bring it to your guys attention because i think it is worth looking at this will be a fun one to pay attention to especially it's coming from devolver and they usually put out stuff that's good i might even play it when this comes out but it's about this uh storybook kind of character the art style is really colorful really pretty uh and it's about him going through his storybook adventure but also leaving the storybook in this kid's broom and it's jumping between a bunch of different genres of games and it looks really interesting and i think uh people should keep it on their radar i don't think it comes out this year either it might be a release for next year but the big one that i think more people should look at a game that was announced last year but only showed up at the tribeca games showcase which is sam barlow's upcoming game uh, immortality uh sam barlow we all know him from her story big hit everyone loved it and he's got another follow-up to that where the storyline is there is this one it's all fictional but this one actress uh, had gone missing just sometime decades ago, and there were three movies she had worked on, and they never released. But you, as some reporter, had found these movies, and you're kind of digging through the footage of them, and the, whatever had happened to her, the answer is somewhere in the recordings of these uh, confidential and classified films that were locked away. And it's like her story, where you're kind of only getting clips of these movies. But instead of just like using words that were said to kind of go through it, you click on props in the background and you'll get access to all clips using one of these props. And you don't know what movie it's going to be from. You got to put the stories together. What part of this is a movie? Uh, what part of this is not the movie? Uh, and just trying to figure out the whole mystery here. And this sounds like more her story, but I think that the twists on it are enough to make it sound like uh, like like I wouldn't be playing the exact same game. A real follow-up, and I think 
tell, still to this day that that game was still really incredible and more people should be talking about and it more. And Sam Barlow, I assume he also made Telling Lies, right? He did, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, which I believe is the same sort of gimmick, but people thought was equally impressive. Mm-hmm. I still haven't played Telling Lies. It's been on my wish list for so long. I probably this game comes out next month. I'll probably end up playing Immortality before Telling Lies, but that's okay. You know where uh, where you can play Telling Lies? Uh, I can play it on Steam. I think it's on a lot of platforms at this point. Uh, the best deal in gaming, Xbox Game Pass. Oh, interesting. Um, I've looked at it many times. I I think I played. I played her story when I was like 14, so I don't remember it very well, but uh, definitely a very interesting game. I'll go next. The The only one that I can recall that really seemed like an overlooked announcement to me, but I'm not completely sold on it, technically not a reveal, a re-reveal. It was in the Keeley show. It was that first-person shooter, Witchfire. Where it looked like kind of like a fantasy doom like. And I mainly just want to shout it out because it technically looked pretty objectively impressive. But I can't say for sure whether I think it will actually be good because I need to I need to feel it. Without any of the UI elements, it seemed like it was possible that some of the enemies in it were kind of squishy. And I think a game like that really needs some good like feedback to the player when you're when you're blowing up enemies. But uh still worth shouting out, and I would recommend like the trailer to anyone that might be interested in that type of game because it was revealed like five years ago, and it seems like they've held on to it basically to get it to this triple A looking quality. And if that's the correct assessment, I think I think it could be interesting as like kind of a double A game. Um, and the only other one I would shout out would be the game with the horrible name, that Flintlock game from the Xbox Showcase. Did look it looked better than its name, but I don't know how much of a track record there is for a game with a name that bad actually being good. Peter. Do you have any overlooked announcements? Short and sweet. I got one, and it's Minecraft Legends. Again, I said, I, I read it, who said, oh, it's my game of the show. It's not my game of the show. It was just one that I had been thinking about, and I've even gone back and watched the game gameplay trailer a bit. Just everyone keep an eye on it. I think this, I think this could be an unexpected hit. From the brief glimpses of gameplay we saw, Looked very promising, looked enticing to me. Obviously, you throw the word strategy in something. Doesn't mean I'll play it, but I'll at least, I'll, you know, I'll look you up and down. You'll have an opinion of me, and maybe, maybe I'll play you. But, yeah, my, it's Minecraft Legends. Showed better than I thought it would have, and if it looks even better in the future, I'll probably play it one day. I think it's possible. Maybe you could have back-to-back the same answer here. I don't know. But let's move on to favorite game shown off, and I'll have you go first. Street Fighter Six with a bullet. Oh, that's a good pick. I wasn't Street thinking Fighter, that for some Street Fighter Six. I, is, I could say this. Street Fighter Six is my game of the show, and I can say that. And I'm, I've thought about it a lot. I will not be backing down on that. Street Fighter Six looks goddamn amazing. 
Every time we've seen it the last couple weeks, it looks better and better. I love that this it after the how do I well, let's just say after the disappointment of Street Fighter Five and how it really seems like the competitive community just really was not into that game at all. Whether it be it's multiplayer, it's single player, a lot of changes they made to the gameplay from four and five, a lot of the roster choices that they have since fixed, but it took them years to do so. This seems like a Capcom, specifically a Capcom fighting division now that Ono is gone, that is just unabashedly creating a new image for Street Fighter, giving it its a, a new blend of personality, and just doing it in such a fun fucking way. It, look, it just... I don't know if I'll play it a lot. Probably not. I don't get into those kind of fighting games, but I will watch... I will hopefully get very much into the competitive scene and watch it like I do Smash. And I probably will buy it and play it. Ever. I won't, you know, be hardcore into it. But yeah, Street Fighter Six is my my game. The show looks great. I think that's a great pick. I really, I think I have mentioned it on this pod, but like, I I can't believe how good it looks. I can't believe that I want want to buy it, even though like I'm the same way in that like I'm not that into those type of fighting games, but I really want to play it. Mark, I'll let I got you go two next. I, I right. do have two. Uh, it's tough to pick between the two. One of them is the the indie game. I think is really cool. I knew about going into this, and one is the big AAA one. We all knew it was going to be here, and I'm definitely interested. But shit could still hit the fan with it. But I want to believe that Starfield will be a really good game because I'm I'm definitely on board with everything that they showed us, and I'll be there day one for, to to play this game. And I think it looked better than a lot of other stuff. Uh, so it's definitely one of my favorites. But the most interesting game, uh, Choo Choo Charles. Do you guys know about Choo Choo Charles? No, I've never heard of this. Peter, what? Do, you, do you know about Choo Choo Charles? No. They showed up at the Day of the Devs conference. I've known this, known about this game for a little over a year now. I think it's coming out later this year. I think October-ish. It's a horror game where you're, it's an open world game. You're on this small, mysterious island trying to figure out a mystery. But this whole time, it's kind of like Slender, uh, where there's a person chasing you, but it's a demon monster spider train that is on the island with you at all times, hunting you down. And you have your own train that you're running away from, and like it's still a little bit faster, so you kind of have to like fire at it, keep it away from you. But you have to do stuff in this open world. You can't always be on your train. And you'll hear the choo-choo in the distance, and he will fucking murder you if he finds you off of this train. So you have to be very careful. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Like I, I think this will be a really cool game. I don't know how long it's going to be. I've been hesitant to pick it for the draft, but uh, I definitely will play this game unless if it gets like really poor reviews. But uh, I, I think this is one of the coolest games that was shown off. I'd like to submit Choo Choo Charles into the games as art conversation. I would like to as well. <laughs> uh, I just looked up screenshots of it and it looks completely ridiculous. Yeah, but. I will I will agree it's like ridiculous in a good way. Ridiculous, but also like kind of scary that if you turn around this thing's fucking chasing right after you. Oh, for sure. Um you you did uh mention mine, which would be Starfield as a huge Bethesda Game Studios fan. I'm gonna be there day one no matter what. And I know we're actually gonna talk later in the episode about like the expectations that are brewing for this game and 
uh, God of War and just kind of big games in general lately. We'll talk about that later on in the episode, but I liked the showcase a lot. I understand that like, you know, the shooting could have looked better. I get that. But this game isn't a shooter to me. It's an RPG. If they come through on the RPG stuff and what they showed looked promising, then I really think this could be a return to form for them. And I really, I want nothing more than that because I feel like my, my life is better when I have their games to play and to like. Um, so Starfield was my favorite game shown off. Owen, do you think Fallout is a good shooter? Fallout 4 is a competent shooter. Um, in fact, their shooting might arguably be better than their RPG mechanics. But uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas are, are not good shooters. They're actually ob- objectively bad shooters. Oh, no. But that doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. I, I think the game has so much more going for it, and they compensate it through they compensate for it through vats, allowing you to slow down and just pick what body part you want to hit. Like giving you that little bit of turn based element, I just I think is so key. And I'm I wish that Starfield showed off a mechanic like that, so that it's not all real time shooting. Um, and maybe it could still be there, but I'm kind of assuming it won't be. But uh, yeah, old Fallout, bad shooter, good game. Okay. I just never, as someone who played a little bit of Fallout 4, I even wasn't the biggest fan of the shooting in that game. I didn't get super far because of technical issues. So maybe later on things change. Uh, I just found a lot of the guns to be a little underwhelming when I used them. But like I said, didn't get too far in it. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you're... If you're playing it having not played another Fallout game, then I can see you being underwhelmed by the shooting. But having played un- other Fallout games, I think, wow, this is great <laughs> like, compared to what we've been seeing. Yeah, um, But that, that kind of goes, this conversation goes in line with some of the cyberpunk critiques I gave in the last few weeks of like, it almost seems like it relies too much on being a shooter when I was hoping to be playing an RPG. And sometimes I think that that can, that can happen. Like fallout four, they really put an emphasis on improving all of their shooting mechanics, but where did they cut back from? They cut back from the RPG stuff. So I don't know. I kind of would have preferred a jankier shooter if I got a better RPG out of it. Um, but that's the E3 awards. Everyone, round of applause. Hosted by Jeff Keighley. Uh, this, was, this award ceremony was part of Summer Games Fest as well. Yes. Uh, if you didn't notice us on the banner, we're very small font in the bottom left corner. Um, our second topic today might might be a little bit of a reluctant topic. We're just calling this the Peter Therapy Session. I'm being dragged to Alcoholics Anonymous against my will. Well, you you brought this up in our BNY chat the other day, and I just I think it's worth talking about of feeling like a gaming malaise, like like you had in 2018 and 2019, where no game is grabbing you. And I don't want to step on all of your stuff here, but just 
Peter, tell us how you're feeling. Well, guys, after my troubled childhood, I, I decided to cling to gaming. No, I, I don't know what it is. Ever since March, I have not been able to get into single-player games. Near Automata, I'm not into it at all. If it weren't for that bet, I would have dropped that game so fucking hard, but I'm going to beat it. I hated Dragon Age Origins. And I... I... Playing a game that you hate for 45 hours, plus another 10-hour DLC story, DLC, really just sucks the life out of you. And honestly, even without the board game at the end, that made me drop it. Banjo was not the platform revelation that had been, you know, sung to me all these years with its mid-music, subpar platforming levels. And just, it wasn't, it was not the legendary platformer I had hoped it to be. And now with Control, I'm getting FF7 Remake Syndrome, whereas I'm playing it, I find myself going, this is technically a very good. This plays well, intriguing story bits. But good God, after 40 minutes, I'm falling asleep. I can't keep my eyes open. I'm feeling tired. I just need to stop for the day. And Mark's been done with the game. Owen, I'm sure you're getting your ways through it. I'm a little more than halfway, I believe. I am. I'm not making that much progress in this game. And I'm going to beat it. And this is, I don't, I do not hate control. It's just, I have gaming. I have gaming fatigue again. And it sucks. I could well single player fatigue specifically. I could still play Apex with people, Halo Wars two with people. Now I've been driving around Forza Horizon five. Whenever I'm falling asleep in control, just to try to wake myself back up. I do not listen to podcasts when I play Control. Out of respect, I want to focus on the game. But then I'm clicking Horizon. I'm driving around beautiful, beautifully realized Mexico with a podcast and all of a sudden i'm i'm awake i'm back at it though and i don't know what it is it's driving me fucking crazy because i don't want to feel this way especially when the beginning of the year i was continuing a high of i was playing doom 2016 doom eternal concrete genie luigi match 3 forza horizon not forza horizon jesus horizon forbidden west transistor is the only exception to how I've been feeling, because I genuinely I, I think Transistor's great, as I said I really like that game and I was gripped by it the entire time I was playing it, I never felt tired but it probably helped I beat it in five hours and I knew it was a one night sitting so, this is where I am I do not like that I'm here, and I don't I don't know, I don't know what to do I think you should finish near before it's too late Mark, it'll never be too late if I don't, I don't beat that game. I don't game think that's the answer. Yeah. Mark, no. hey, you know all this shit that you hate? Keep doing it. I'm sure it'll solve your problems. But Nier will be beaten. Nier will be beaten. I promise you that. I really, and sorry, Joe, I, you're going to hear this. I desperately don't want to go back to Dragon Age 2. I really don't because I hated Dragon Age Origins. And hearing you and James go, oh, my God, Dragon Age 2 is worse. Dragon Age 2 is, is so much worse. Why do I want to spend 30 hours having an even worse time than the one I just had? I don't want to do that. 
I really don't want to do that. But James really wants Joe and I to continue Dragon Age. And Joe is saying he's now liking Dragon Age 2. So uh, maybe there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. But help me. Now, I want to I want to pick Mark's brain first on this. A question right, I believe. I, I paid for the therapy, but I guess he gets to go first. I'll, no, just, I'll go no. play with my dick or something. All right. It's That would be very unprofessional of you. But it's a question I think I may have asked you before, Mark, but I, w- I want to ask again. How do you just, like, push through games? You you seem like to be a person that has never had an issue just just playing through the game you're currently playing, even if you don't like it. Uh, I, I think uh, because I like to get the closure, and I know endings can really change games for me, like... I might not like a, a certain portion of it, but I think to myself, well, the ending could change this. Hold out there. I think to myself, what parts of the game do I like, whether it's narrative or some mechanics in it that I can really appreciate. Uh, but with that being said, there's definitely a couple of games I could list I didn't finish. Uh, not many. Uh, like Disco Elysium, I didn't finish. I didn't really care to go more into that. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers, I did not finish because I was getting really tired of that game. But there's there's a lot of things I do appreciate about it. But like it's a Dynasty Warriors game at the end of the day, and I I don't particularly like those games as much. But I would give it credit where it's due. That one is a lot more different than all the others I've played. But uh, I I really like the idea of having finished a game because then I can really kind of sit on it. Like the fact if I if I don't finish a game that I'm currently playing and just leave it, I feel like there's there's so many stones left unturned. And that feeling of just like leaving it behind, not to know everything about it. Cause like that's part of the reason why I try so many different games, because I want to understand it more. And I feel like I just haven't accomplished that yet to understand like why people like this game so much. And I, I can't get that full picture without completing the game. I I respect that immensely, but I just this kind of goes in line with what I brought up a few weeks ago of just wishing that I didn't feel this need to beat everything because this is what it sounds like is your problem, Peter, is that you have a problem of having too many obligations in your games. And you know where you don't have obligations? Apex. No obligations there. But you're obligated to play control. That's I think that's probably the least of of your problems here though. You're obligated to play near. And you're not completely obligated but you feel pretty obligated to play Dragon Age 2. My fucking problem with Dragon Age is I went into it genuinely excited for it and thinking it was going to be a great time. And then it just all comes crashing down when I hate the game that's considered to be the best of the trilogy. And it isn't like a it's it's one thing if I'm watching like a movie trilogy. It's like, all right, what half of one day, I'll only take like eight hours to watch an entire trilogy of movies, maybe 10, 12 hours. Whereas with Dragon Age altogether, it'll be like, oh, you know, this subpar trilogy will only take a hundred hours. And it's just how many other games could I play through of my own volition in that time? You could pretty easily watch all six 
current Mission Impossible movies, and it would be a much more reasonable time sink than play, playing just Dragon Age 2. Mm-hmm. Could also watch all the Fast and Furious movies, too, in that same time, of playing the series, at least, not two. I mean, the, my birthday this year, I spent the whole weekend on my birthday watching through all of the... Why am I forgetting his name? It's current James Bond movies. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. And I loved oh, I loved three of them. Two of them, one was okay, one was flat out bad. But, I, I mean, I had a great time doing that. And instead of that nowadays, now I just stare at Dragon Age 2 and really don't want to play it. I will say I might need a break from Games Club or Game Club for a bit as I sort through all of my obligations after Control. Because I don't really want to move on to anything else. I just I want to finally bite the bullet, get these done, and then not make any gaming promises and just play whatever the hell I want to play. I hope you, know, you have to play Thirteen Sentinels. You just are more bullet. I really do. I'm thinking that that's not the answer, though. I think the answer to your problem is giving yourself some space. In that, well, uh, delaying Game Club a bit. That's that's a perfectly reasonable option. But I don't think the thing that will make you feel better is pushing through near. But Banjo wasn't an obligation. I played Banjo to try to get some space, and it left me feeling the same way. Although I would have beaten that game if not for that goddamn game show. I was on track to beat that game. I had no, I did not believe I had any reason not to. And then just really really stupid game design and ideas stiff arms me from getting any further um, i just i want god damn the doom games and pokemon legends arceus and horizon Forbidden west concrete genie transistor this year they just made ride me man i love games i love doing this i love that this is my hobby and all these games i keep mentioning it just scream to me oh man i wish i was doing anything else than playing this game right now I went through a similar run like a month ago where I think I kind of talked about it on the show where I kept looking at different 2022 releases like I always call out Nobody Saves the World and Trek to Yomi and some of these other ones. And I really didn't want to start any of them. They just didn't seem like they were piquing my interest. Then I started the first Mafia game. And I thought that would get my attention, but then I realized, like, oh, wait, I actually don't think this game is very good. And then I started Cyberpunk, and that didn't get my attention. And it's another game where I think maybe it's not very good, but I, again, I still need to put more time into it. I haven't recently. But at least a little bit of insight as to how I'm feeling about Control so far, but this is far from my final opinion is that basically immediately in the first hour of control, I kind of realized like, oh, I was playing like not good games and now I'm playing a good game. And that put me in a good mood because control is not making me tired. I, I'm enjoying it. Um, so there is a possibility, at least by your taste that you're playing bad games and dragon age two might might be able to objectively make that list depending on who you talk to near is the opposite of a peter game 
control is an obligation for this podcast, which is a fun thing to do, but it's still an obligation. And you can't overstate that. That definitely affects how you feel about things as you go through them. What I want to do, and I've said this to Mark, I know exactly what I want to do. I want I I keep thinking about I want to go back to Doom Eternal. I want to play the D, the story DLCs, the Ancient Gods Part One and Two. I want to buy those, and I want to just jump right back into Doom Eternal. That's all I think about. If all of my games of obligations were done, that would be what I'm playing through right now. I don't know what it is. I feel like my gaming year peaked with Doom Eternal, and every I've liked a lot of games since then. But good God, Doom Eternal is just what my I keep thinking about whenever I'm bored. If I'm walking around at work thinking about video games, Doom Eternal comes up. It's just what a fantastic, fantastic video game. I loved it so much. I'm on team. Scratch that itch. I know you have these obligations, but like, I mean, these are DLCs, so you can conceivably get through them pretty quickly. And you need you need an actual palate cleanser that you enjoy because Banjo clearly didn't work. And as far as obligations go, I mean, you might still have to push through control because from a timely manner, we would like to get that episode out at some point. But um, near I... I want to force you to play near for 24 hours straight more than anything, but this is your therapy session. We're trying, we're trying to reignite the spark that you felt earlier this year. Honestly, and honestly, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I do not think that forcing yourself through near is, is the way to reignite that spark. Best case scenario. I'm still beating near. I cut out dragon age. But I don't want to do that at the same time because James really wants Joe and I to beat it and now Joe's getting into it and I'll feel bad because we're all also playing Gears Tactics together and then James and I got stuck on the exact exact same spot because the game just became way too difficult. We physically couldn't move on. And then Joe only played one mission to Gears Tactics and he hated it right off the bat. And then James is like, come on, guys, we can't drop a second game that we were supposed to be playing together and... It's not my fault Dragon Age Origins is bad. It's also not your fault that James plays games at an inhumane speed. Oh, guys, uh, the fuck, the Division just came out two hours ago. I'm already 27 hours in. I've already <laughs> mid-maxed all my characters. <laughs> um, Because, I mean, if James was like midway through Dragon Age 2, I, I feel like you would have a much easier time of doing this. But no, he beat Dragon Age 2 in like two hours. Mark, do you have any insight for us? Um, Peter, you're not going to like what I have to hear or what I have to say. I want my fucking money. Finish Nier Automata already. No, and again, Nier Automata is not getting dropped. Nier Automata is not getting dropped. I'm going to beat Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. And after you beat that, then I encourage you to find yourself again. And I, I had recommended, because uh, Banjo didn't work, and I know platformers are your bread and butter. You loved Ratchet Rift Apart, right? Still, this that you have the feelings that you had about that game, or have you come have you come cleaner and you realize maybe you don't like that game as much? Peter, you guys are cutting out for me. I'm sorry. Hang on. Let me let me make sure. All right, Mark, say that again. Um, I was thinking because Banjo didn't work, 
that maybe there's another 3D platformer uh, that would be a more up your alley, a more modern one, because you really like Rift, Rift Apart. And Are you hinting still- at a game specifically or just asking an overall question? No, there is one. I'm talk- I brought it up once before, but I wanted to make sure you still feel the way you do about Rift Apart, right? Yes, I love Rift Apart. Okay, not the same game as Rift Apart by any means. And in fact, it's more along the lines of a banjo collectathon than Rift Apart is. But Hat in Time is a more modern and beloved 3D platformer. Maybe I, no, I, I, I feel nothing. I have no desire to play that game. I just well, you have no desire to play this game. You haven't seen really a trailer around, so maybe you look at that and maybe that that does something. Right now, what I want is Doom Eternal. So that is what I will do. You're going to listen to podcasts while you play Doom Eternal. Yes. Okay, I think that's what you want to do. I think you want to play a game where you can just check out and then just get into it. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I want to do. You are precisely right. You just want to play a game you don't have to listen to. Yes. But no, that's not true. I don't have two earbuds in the entire time, Mark. I have one in, I have an earbud in the right, and then my left, because where I'm sitting is closer to the TV. I like hearing the sound effects of game. I like hearing the music of games. I like, like you know, the scenery, the atmosphere. But when it comes to people talking, then you don't. Yeah, I, I want, right now, I am in a mood of, where my gaming of, I want everyone to shut the fuck up. That is what I want them to do. I want everyone to shut the fuck up, don't speak to me. And just let me play my video game as I listen to podcasts. Go play Journey. Journey, there's no talking. Go play. Yeah, that. yeah, I'll be. Yeah, we should listen to the next episode of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast as I'm trying to have this deep emotional experience. Oh, how is that podcast? I've seen clips oh, of it. It's so seems, good. It's it seems so very funny. Goddamn good. Oh, and I love it. I've been listening to it since March. It's so damn funny. I'm so glad I started listening to it. See, Mark, this is what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Like this isn't like this just isn't part of the game at this point. It's the podcast you're listening to. The game is doing nothing here. You are so offended by this, and you have been for a while, and I know you have been. Uh, I definitely just feel weird about it. That's like I, I feel like there's a level you're just not interacting with the game to a certain degree by doing this. And to every anyone can play the games the way that they want to. But you're going to be a gatekeeping elitist asshole about it along the way. I don't know, man. Just like you're gonna play banjo, you don't want to listen to the characters make silly noises. You're not playing. No, in the music, I've listened to the music in banjo. It's not that good. It's just not the same experience. If There's not a memorable game. track in banjo. We're that's just not true, and we're not playing the same games if you're playing games like that. That's just how I, I think. I think there there are times where it's more acceptable than others. Like if Peter gets to a dialogue moment and he puts in the second earbud, then that's inexcusable. When I get to a cutscene and when I was playing Horizon Forbidden West, if there was ever, like, important character dialogue or a cutscene, podcast is paused and does not start until after the cutscene. Because I think in an open-world game like that, there is some flexibility there. I I think I even got to a point... I got to a point in Elden Ring where I knew, like, okay, I'm just going to be, like... Uh, going and farming the dungeons to try and get all these like bell bearings. I'm putting on a podcast right now because I knew, like, I've done this a million times already. I'm not going to miss anything. Um, so it's fine. I'm not as big of a fan of it when it comes to like from the jump the podcast is playing, but um, 
it's not a completely inexcusable thing in general. James um, has been doing it for years with all games he plays. And I used to think, oh, it's kind of weird. And then I didn't start doing it until Doom earlier this year. And I realized, oh, my God, this is incredible. My main podcast listening time. Well, first of all, I listen to too many podcasts at work. So now I just have no desire to do something like that. But I I do it frequently when I play like a sports game or Rocket League or Call of Duty. Like anything mindless like that. I can do it. If I am in like a different world for the most part in like, I heard people describe ghost of Tsushima as a, as a good podcast game. And on one hand, I can see what they're talking about, but at the same time, I can't disconnect myself to that extent. Cause I feel like I'm in this unfamiliar environment. So I should have, I should have all of my senses here. Um, but I won't, I won't crucify you for it. Mark might. Mark is. Mark, are you crucifying him? Uh, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just casting my judgment, and that doesn't mean I'm putting you on the cross. But if you want to put yourself up on the cross, I will help you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like when it, I think, as doing a game like that, like I, I have zero ability to multitask, and even if it is like I take the podcast out for a cutscene. I feel like I'm going to have severe whiplash from that because then I'll have I will be jumping between the memory of what I was listening to or what I was doing in the game, and my thoughts will be too jumbled. I cannot play games like that. Like even like if I'm playing Smash, I cannot listen to a podcast or I just I will not be performing very well. I will not. Whenever I go to locals and weeklies, I listen to music during my games. Whenever I'm playing against people, I can't do that and not listen to music. Mm-mm, I couldn't do that. It would be too distracting for me. I focus on the game and like everything else doesn't exist. I actually, uh, I can see why Peter does that though. Cause sometimes where, where you get to when you're on autopilot is better than when you're focused, mm-hmm. especially in, in an instinct game like smash. I mean, uh, maybe that's a completely wrong assessment seeing as Mark, the best player here is saying that he, he couldn't possibly do that. But um, I don't know. I've, it's kind of like in, I don't know how much you guys played Guitar Hero, but everyone knows that played it. Like the moments where you kind of have like a little out of body experience where you start going on autopilot, but you're still it's hitting every memory. single note. Yeah. yeah it's memory. Um, I could see that kind of getting triggered if you have your own music on. But um, Doom Eternal is a, a quite a difficult game and I beat it, Mark. So I can do both. I didn't have a problem again. Doom Eternal, borderline top ten favorite games of all time. It's not making it, but incredible game. And I listened. I had a podcast in the entire time. Um, I think Doom guy's name, Peter. Can you tell me Doom guy's name? He doesn't. Well, actually, this game he is Doom Slayer. Pardon me, Doom Slayer. What's his name? He's classically Doom guy. You don't learn it. Okay, you passed. You didn't miss the part. I can see. I think we're at the end of this topic. Peter, I hope we within are. the next two weeks you're telling us that you're playing the ancient gods. In- I will either be doing that or I will just be neck deep in alcoholism. Or control. You could finish control too. That's enough. I will be <laughs> uh, control is getting beaten. It just is. Well, yeah, that that one you don't actually have an option on. Uh we're not giving it to you. But um 
I want I do want you to find yourself here. What we've been playing. Uh Peter, is it nothing? Control? <laughs> yeah, control, that's it. I, I have nothing else to say. It's just control and Apex Halo Wars 2 Forza Horizon. Like just podcast fodder and multiplayer fun with friends. Okie dokie. I I don't know what Mark could possibly have up his sleeves, but mine isn't that exciting. But I'll try and add a spin to it. Uh, well, here's a bonus one before any games. I saw Top Gun Maverick, and just everyone should see it because it's a wonderful theater movie. I, I legitimately actually think it is a mistake to not see that movie in a theater because it's that exciting to watch. Um, Would I have to have seen any other Top Gun movies to really enjoy it? There's only one other one, and I think it is enhanced by having seen it, even though the first one is very much like it's kind of a schlocky 80s movie. Um, and a big thing happens in it that happens to be like the main emotional core of this next movie, but they do a pretty good job at filling you in on that. Um, so... I think you could still go and see this movie in a theater and have the same takeaway as everyone else because of just how exciting of a movie they made it. Um, but it would be enhanced. Okay. I've never had the interest to watch it, but... Neither did I. Neither did I. But I figured, like, if everyone's talking up this movie and I want to see it, I decided to watch it. Um, my main takeaway was, like, ah, pretty good. I'm not blown away. I mm-hmm. don't feel like I totally wasted my time. Um, and it's, you didn't like it more than everything everywhere all at once, did you? Uh, Top Gun Maverick, you're saying, right? Yeah. Which did you like more between the two? I think the answer might be Top Gun Maverick. Really? Oh man! Like I love. I mean, I don't know if it'll be the same. The same now, comparison. I ate that movie up. Everything everywhere all at once. Okay, let, let me let me make the distinction here. I think everything everywhere all at once is a genuinely like super interesting movie that is also super fun. I think Top Gun Maverick is the best example of blockbuster movie making I have ever seen. Just so Where, you know, a lot of people will consider you the pig eating shit for that opinion. No, and I think those people are absurd because if they think that they can look at this movie and label it as the problem in movies, they are fucking out of their minds because this movie has so much inspiration in it and just so much. You can see the heart everywhere on screen because they put so much work into this that I think it's impossible not to appreciate that and i also think uh my my own issues with the film community is like guess what uh people are allowed to have fun with movies exactly exactly like the whatever movie about like pain and yearning you can think of was never going to be the billion dollar movie never going to happen we should know this by now it never but, has been. Exactly. Titanic was a was a painful yearning movie. People saw that to watch guys fall <laughs> off of a ship. I, I can, I'm not lying when I say this. 
I've never seen most of the movie. I've only ever seen the parts when the ship starts sinking. I've never seen anything else before that. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I've also only seen the parts when the ship starts. I've sinking. only because we beginning. watched them together. Yeah, that's true. I've only seen the beginning of Titanic, but um, there is a difference between the like the film that really speaks to you about life and the blockbuster movie. I am not not a fan of the blockbuster movie. I'm just tired of the Marvel version of it. And like, there is a place for these fun, big event movies and Top Gun Maverick is, I think the completely sets the standard of what we should hope for because they didn't cut corners anywhere. And I just think that that should be respected. What shouldn't be respected uh, everything I fucking heard about Jurassic World Dominion, like that movie sounds horrible, and that that is a blatant, blatant cash grab. No work it, put into it. They just decided to bring back the old actors and thought that's good enough. It's going to make over a billion dollars. I know it is. I know it is. We can label that one the problem. Top Gun Maverick is not, but this is a gaming podcast, so I'll now talk about games. Um. I've mainly played Control. I have played quite a bit of Rocket League. I've been getting back in that zone lately. And the only other thing really worth noting is that I'm working on a small Last of Us video that who knows when it will come out. Um, And I needed footage. So I started playing some encounters in the first game. And that game definitely, like, I noticed with that game the critiques of Naughty Dog gameplay. Because it's kind of tough. I was just trying to play some encounters and I, I was not doing too well. But I also mentioned last episode that the the PS5 enhancements for that game, like, make it look incredible. So I am on team. We don't need the remake. The much more frustrating thing that I discovered today is I went into The Last of Us Part 2 with the intent of getting some footage and my cloud saves for that game just don't exist. I had to restart. They don't let you skip cutscenes when it's your first time playing through the game. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So that is very disappointing. Um at least I don't think they let you skip cutscenes going through the game. I, I only played like the first like 30 minutes. Man, maybe I'll have a little ongoing Last of Us Part 2 replay going on here. Um, because I, I want to get some footage of like some actual some actual combat encounters. And it's going to be a while before I even get there. But um, I am realizing, at least I think I'm realizing this. There is value in just like booting up a game that you've already played just for a little bit with no intent of replaying it or anything like that. Just, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to mess around in this game. Like I would love to do this sort of thing. I wonder if my save is somewhere in the ether of uh, like Metal Gear Solid 5 where it's not a full commitment. I don't have to restart the game, but I can just go back and play some missions. I think it would be a a great use of my time. And another thing that 
could maybe even be the type of advice to give Peter in the last topic of like, you know, just, just revisit an old game. Don't, don't commit to a full playthrough. Just experience what it was like to play it for a little bit. Um, and it's been at least somewhat interesting going back to specifically the first last of us, because it's been a long time since I've played that game at all. I think my last save was at in like 2015. Um, and I can't exactly distill to you what I got out of the experience, but I think it was valuable. Who wants to go next? Oh, Mark, you're the only one. There you <laughs> have to be me. And in the vein of replaying stuff, uh, the two games I have to talk about just stuff, I kind of am replaying. One in a new way, one just let out replaying. Uh, I played Cuphead again because the DLC is coming out and I wanted to get familiar with it again and I beat it in two nights pretty quickly uh, and Cuphead still holds up. I felt like in playing it again the second time, uh, this is the only time I've played it single player. I did it co-op before. Uh, so that was a little bit different and either way, I think that, that game is still incredible. Very charming. The bosses are still a lot of fun. Music also a big deal. Um, but I kind of... The, the the full effect of the magic of playing Cuphead isn't there when you're playing it your second time because it's like a Souls kind of thing where the, you're learning the fights, but I remembered it all. But that's not necessarily why I played it, to try to, to re-examine the game, just more so to build up that muscle memory again. And it, it, it was there. I probably don't think I needed to play it again, honestly, in retrospect. But I'll be playing the DLC in a couple of weeks when that comes out. So exciting there. That's all I got to say about Cuphead. Uh, but the other thing is the more interesting thing. I and a couple of other friends uh, are committing to a huge adventure in the world of old school RuneScape specifically. Not modern RuneScape, but old school RuneScape. Do you guys know the difference at all? I don't know how RuneScape fluent. Yes. You do. Oh, and I'm guessing you know I, about that. I never played RuneScape. Okay. But you know what it is. Like what, what the, the yeah, essence of RuneScape is. It's... It's an MMO, right? Yeah. Very old, very ancient. And there came a certain point where they tried to modernize it, but people loved how ancient the game was. So eventually they just split it off into two branches. In a similar way where there's WoW Classic and Modern WoW, except there's just a wedge of content. And they became, at this point in time, are two different games. One trying to be more modern, one trying to... uh, just stay in a certain realm of 2007 game design if not earlier than that, because that's where this game comes from. And the way content is even brought into old school RuneScape, it's not the developers deciding. There is always, they have ideas and they table them and they show them to players and the community always has to vote. And if 70% of the community does not like agree on a certain feature or a certain content to come to the game, it will not be added. So it is so heavily player controlled, which I think is very interesting, but there, there are there's some conflict in it that I think is really funny where anytime the developers try to include PVP stuff to the game, because RuneScape specifically has this whole area in the game that's called the wilderness, very, very famous. And it is just a PVP zone, but it's not just PVP. There's certain mini games in there, certain quests in the game will have you run out there. There's certain things out there just for single player content that you'd want to do, but other players will just still try to hunt you down. And anytime they just try to like poke it and just be like, hey, we're going to add something to the wilderness, 
the player base just shoots it down. No one wants to go in this area, even though there is a strong PvP like player base to this game. Like that is a huge aspect to it. And I just think it's funny that like it, it's it's such a problem where people who are not into PvP will make more accounts so that they can continually like continue to dis like vote down PvP content. But poor PvP content. But like Besides the point, this uh, I just wanted to set the picture of what this game really is, uh, and there's a certain mode into it where there is uh, an Iron Man feature where the, the the way you have to play this game is your account is locked in a way where you can no longer trade with other players. You have to do everything on your own, collect every item, all the gold, uh, naturally get drops from bosses, buy things from stores, not exchanging with other players. It's a huge aspect to MMOs, like just finding stuff is not how you do it. You're always buying from other people. Uh, and RuneScape to this point has so much content uh, that there's just so much to kind of comb through. And the skills, and training all your skills, there's like 37 skills in the game, are so notoriously grindy as well. Like this is one of the grindiest games out there where you're just clicking on things and just gathering XP. Like skills go from 1 to 99, just so you know, one, and it requires so much XP for some of the higher levels that once you hit level 90 in a stat, the, the experience you need to get from level 90 to 91 is more experience than you needed to get from 1 to 90. Like, no it, it is, way. Yes, every single level is exponentially... Like, like It is one of the grindiest fucking games out there, but people love it. And this Iron Man feature is also super popular for... People just can't interact with anybody. And then there's this, a level above that where there's a hardcore Iron Man where not just are you playing in this way that you can't interact with anybody else, but when you die, that's it. It's over. And me and a couple of friends are doing a group a hardcore Iron Man. And the more people in your group means you have more lives in the game. So there's three of us. We have three lives playing through RuneScape. We can trade with each other, but we cannot trade with anybody else. And we are trying to get as far as we can through the game. The The reason why we're doing this is, A, the two friends I'm playing with have been into RuneScape huge. Like, they've never stopped playing. And I used to play RuneScape way back in the day. Stopped around, like, 2008, 2009, I want to say. And, or I'd say 2008. I think 2008 is when I stopped. But there was a certain armor set I could never completely get which is a pretty late game armor set i got body chest plate or the chest plate the legs and the weapon that comes with it, but could never get the helmet and i was a laughing stock owen peter you wouldn't know this either i was a laughing stock in the runescape community because this armor set doesn't it has an effect that does not come into play unless the whole set is complete and using this armor set and i would use this armor set for like a year plus and just running around to doing cooperative mini games and people just yelling at me like why are you not wearing the full set? And I'd say, oh, I can't afford the helmet. The helmet's more expensive than the rest of this. It's like, you fucking idiot. I don't want to be on your team. And I'm like, oh, you guys are so mean. But now we're going to write this wrong. And in this hardcore Iron Man, our goal is to get that full plate armor. And so I can finally have the closure to say, I did it. I got the whole armor set. And maybe a little bit more beyond that, because there's a lot of RuneScape I never really got to experience. And I'm being uh, guided through it with some pros as well. But no one has died yet in the week we've been playing. I've been really religiously playing this game, staying up ungodly hours of the night, just trying to grind and do some quests with friends. But it's uh, it's been an interesting experience going through the game uh, after so much time, 
playing an MMO in this format is also very surreal. And it's also very popular for you to play this game. Like RuneScape, I feel like, is notorious with some hardcore players where people will take the grind very seriously. I'm but- really impressed here because one of my questions to you was going to be like, how do you find closure in an MMO game like this? Like you were talking about. And you you like actually laid out an extremely compelling way that you're finding closure in it. Mm-hmm. Like we have an objective. Will we actually make it to that point? I I'm confident to a degree. Have faith. Have faith. Yeah, we'll have faith. We'll have faith. We're, we're, we haven't done anything too dangerous. Like uh, right now I thought I would play the game the way I had played it before. Just like, okay, I'll go kill some guys. I'll level them using grind. But no, that's not the optimal way to go about this. Owen. the way you have to do it, the the traditional Iron Man plan is just there's certain quests that will give you so much experience you'll skip all the way to level thirty in most of your stats. But the problem is some of these stats, these quests, they don't expect you to be doing these at level three, the starting level. So you have to find ways to cheese it. And I'm over here at level three, k- killing enemies that will kill me in two hits. But finding ways to cheese them with magics where I can just stand in a safe spot, they can't reach me, and I can just cheese the boss fights but if i mess up one of the lives are at risk every single time running through places i should not be but so far we have we've succeeded i think all three of us are past kind of the low levels we've almost done all the intro quests that every iron man recommends you do because it'll set you up for success like things things aren't going to kill me in one hit anymore so this is a successful run so far i'll update everybody if, if things ever get super dangerous or if we lose any lives along the way, but right now this is a this is a fun new way to play an old MMO that I used to really like. I'm impressed. I think that sounds pretty fun. Um, not something I would ever do, of course. But mm-hmm. um, is that all you got? That is all I got. Alrighty. Final topic. My topic. We got this Starfield gameplay reveal at the Xbox showcase and very predictably the energy around it has either been overwhelmingly positive or overwhelmingly negative. Very little middle ground at all. And I also look at the other end of the pond with God of war and how there seems to be this energy around God of War that it's like it really has to do something to impress even though a lot of people seem to think like oh it it looks like it could be a DLC for the first game and I don't I don't really have my own thoughts formed on this which is why I kind of wanted to bring it here because I want to know what are like the expectations set at right now for a modern day like triple a for all intents and purposes blockbuster i mean these are the blockbusters of gaming what are the expectations for them because it seems like a lot of people have this expectation for starfield where if it doesn't play like it's a call of duty game and every single one of those thousand planets doesn't have the best quest I've ever played on it, then it's not good enough. And you look at God of War, and 
who even knows what it would have to do to blow people away because the last one did the blowing away and this is an iterative sequel on it and there seems to be this energy around it where it feels like that might not be good enough if you're not blowing me away it's not good enough so that's that's kind of where I want to just start this discussion and Mark I'm really curious what you think about this of where are the expectations currently set and where should they like reasonably be set? Yeah, I think these are two fun games to compare in this, in this kind of scope, in this realm of thought, because Starfield, Bethesda game, but new IP. So I think expectations are going to be very, very high. And maybe that's why Todd Howard didn't give us the super lengthy presentation because they don't want to do that for the beginning of a new IP. And should people have that expectation? I know my expectations, or for better or worse, I'm not tempering them. I want this game to blow me away in a way that I, th- I like. I don't think it's going to be like the next coming of Christ. Like this is going to be one of the greatest games ever made. But I'm just, intr- I just really want to be impressed by this open world game uh, that feels not necessarily like I haven't played anything like it before, but just like. I, I just want to expect a new flavor of Bethesda after all this time and a post Fallout and Elder Scrolls world. And that's really all I want from it. What do I think other people should be expecting? Uh, like, I think they should be expecting, like, you're still getting a Bethesda game. Like, to, to like dial it back to, like, Old Man, or Old Man, No Man's Sky, like, when that game was coming out and people thought that game was going to be anything and everything. Like, that's where, not just are you going too far, you're going way past the line. I feel like we should look at that and learn from what a new game might be. And really just kind of, like, think back and just, like, why, why, what should we expect from this studio specifically? And in 2022, what should we reasonably, reasonably expect from that studio as well? Especially when what we've seen from Starfield, I feel like, makes sense. Like, I felt like a lot of what we've seen is some of the bare minimum stuff I was asking for. And I don't mean that we're like, oh, they're not doing much because it's just the bare minimum. But just I wanted a modern 2022 RPG open world from Bethesda uh, that looked really neat and did cool things in space. And it looks like we're going to get that. Uh, and then I was maybe hoping they give us more than that. That might surprise me. And I think some of that is just the in-depth character creator and some of the, the backgrounds you can kind of have for your characters, which aren't much i don't think a lot of people would say that's like going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for such a game for me it's promising that maybe it will lean into more of an rpg and there will be more to do systemically and mechanically than just walk around the worlds of course uh but i i think we should be tempered but also this is a new ip it's exciting uh hope for things because like i feel like if we we just are content just like in such a way that uh, we don't want to expect too much, then that's kills some of the fun of what could be a new exciting IP. And the more we kind of speculate on that, like that gives even developers sometimes cool ideas of what to do and move forward with other ideas that they hadn't come up with at a time. Uh, so I think, I don't want to say dream too big and hold people like to such a standard, like if it's not this, the game sucks, but just, I don't know, find, find this middle ground, but also... Be smart about it. But with God of War, what to expect from that? A game that we've already... Like, the original one, I don't think... I say the original. The 2018 God of War, I don't think had the expectations that it would be as good as it was. 
I thought people just thought like, oh, this will be a cool new Sony first party game we're working on. Uh, they're doing really well right now with their studios, whatever game they're putting out. I'm sure it'll be very high quality. And then it really blew people out of the water. Uh, and I think what people should expect is something just as good. Because it's also going to be the conclusion uh, of that saga in the God of War series, which that surprises me. What I'm expecting is I'm expecting a little bit more because when I finished God of War 2018, my big takeaway was, man, they are teeing up the next game to really like go the distance. What is that little bit more, though, for you? Because I feel like that's the big question that everyone's been asking themselves, but I haven't actually seen anyone give any answers. So here's what I would say. In some interviews, Corey Barlog had been asked, like, hey, the boss fights in God of War 2018. There's not many of them, but they're all very memorable. And he he had said, like, sure, that's something God of War, the series has done really well. The boss fights are some of the best parts, but we want to temper them. We don't want to scatter them throughout the game because we want to make them super memorable. I think we don't follow that philosophy for this one because this is the conclusion. I think we go boss to boss to boss towards the end, especially because it's it's Ragnarok. And if you play 2018, even you know what Ragnarok is in Norse mythology, these things come together. It's going to be, there's going to be a big battle at some point in this game. And I think it just needs to be very climactic. They have, they have teed themselves up for a very big uh, climax and they just need to, to deliver in a big flashy God of War boss fight fashion. And that's that's what I would want the most from this game, like because I had played God of War three. You guys haven't played the original trilogy or any of them, right? No, I have not. I the haven't one, either. The one thing I loved about God of War three is that because that's the end of that trilogy as well, and you are killing so many of the gods, and those boss fights were actually really fun. Kratos, not the great character that everyone know, knew he was, so like the story wasn't what was really drawing me in, but just the pace of which you were just mowing everything down all these gods and with these gods being gone the world just falls apart uh it felt very intense and i think something similar could be done here except wrapped around a narrative that uh, we are going to be really invested in so i think it is much easier to stick that landing with god of war than it is for starfield i think that's a lot of good points really good points on god of war there but uh Peter, I kind of w- just want your preliminary thoughts on this discussion about expectations. I think Starfield and God of War should elicit different expectations, and I have to. I want to go a specific route for Starfield. Again, you know me; I'm not someone. I don't like positive, like you know, toxic positivity. Just blindly being, you know, upbeat for the sake of someone has to. But good God, some of the shit that Starfield is getting flung at, like having flung at it, I think is 100% people still bitter about Fallout 76 and who haven't gotten over it. Or just bitter that it's not coming to PlayStation. I think that's valid in here, too. Yeah, well, fuck them. I'm not talking about those people, okay? They've had time. There's an Xbox Series S all over planet Earth. You can buy them everywhere. Save up money. You can get a bunch of other great games for a very modest price. That's uh, on Game Pass. Plus, doing gaming. But I really just think Starfield is getting a lot of the rotten fruit that people have been holding on to ever since Fallout 76. And even those who might have been disappointed with Fallout 4. So I feel like Bethesda was going to have this happen to them no matter what they showed off because you just had people who have been sitting for years ready to fling shit at Starfield. 
Whereas with God of War, everyone's like, oh, it needs to be so much bigger. It needs to do so much more. I, I agree that it needs to have much better boss battles. But beyond that, it's considered one of the greatest games PlayStation has ever made. Like, I'm not sure what other leaps and bounds can possibly be made. Better performance? Uh, maybe more detail in the environments? Again, better boss battles? Tell another great story? But I don't have this massive bucket list of things they need to improve upon because if I did, if I did have that, it wouldn't be one of my favorite games of all time. I would actually, I I want to replay it, the God of War 2018 before Ragnarok comes out because again, I haven't played it since it originally came out. But expectations of God of War, I think some people say I, I don't want more of the same. I don't want more of the same. But if more of the same is one of the best games. PlayStation's ever made, I don't really feel that's a that's a problem. I don't understand how people can go from thinking this game's a ten to oh it's more of a ten. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Like what the fuck? That doesn't make sense to me. Starfield, I don't really I understand it's a an RPG. They've made a lot of RPGs before, but I don't think we should have any preconceived notions. I don't think there's anything. If everyone feels like oh this isn't my Starfield, this isn't the Starfield I wanted, you didn't have a Starfield. You had nothing to compare it to. This is a new IP, motherfucker. This has never existed before. So whatever it is, it just is. It doesn't matter whatever imaginations you've crafted in your head or you've been comparing to yourself ever since you heard this game was announced. Starfield is Starfield. I think the way a lot of people have been reacting to the Starfield gameplay reveal, it's like they think they're like a part of CinemaSense. And they're just going through the trailer and it's like, oh, there's one. There's one issue that I want to point out and trying to find 100 issues by the end of it. Because if you look at something that intently, I mean, you'll be able to find them. You'll be able to find your nitpicks. But I think my least favorite part about those expectations that are forming is that it lacks... It both lacks an understanding of what Bethesda games are and also an understanding of how games are supposed to work. Like, uh, I want to pull up this tweet from Jeff Grubb that I very much agreed with about the pacing in games. If I can find it, I just clicked away from it. Way to go. He said, almost there. Okay. Uh, he tweeted, some of y'all don't understand pacing and it drives me bananas. What if I go to a planet in Starfield and nothing happens? That'll make it more special when something does happen. If every moon has moon pirates, it's going to get boring. And that's very true. It, like everyone's all mad about or all concerned about the thousand planets. And I'm sure again, uh, like expectations I'm sure the Thousand Planets are not all handcrafted and aren't all the most impressive thing. But he's correct in that like they have the leeway to have some of them not be impressive because you need you need the ups and downs in a game. In order for the ups to be satisfying, you need a down moment. Mm -hmm. And I think like, that's acceptable. Like even if you're built like this the idea of you're building this space exploration RPG, the point is you're exploring unexplored territory so like there's going to be a lot of planets out there that are a lot of nothing and it's up to you to kind of figure out how much you want to invest in that and eventually and like you said when you find something it's going to be extraordinary yeah like even breath of the wild it's open world not every square inch of it is incredible 
And I but think the same goes for Elden Ring as well. Yeah, the same thing with Elden Ring, even just like any open world philosophy, not everything you do is going to be incredible. And Starfield has, is, is kind of, uh, it is formatted in this way where it's like, oh, there's just planets you go to versus just X amount of like square inches on the map you go to. Like, that's just how it's going to be. And it's not like every every planet is like this, up on this pedestal of something cool to reveal. No, this is just more of the world. And then I'm sure, oh, go on. Uh, I was going to say the other issue I have pertaining to the expectations around Starfield is that it'll be a big test for people if they actually like Bethesda games or if they like the feeling that they had when they like first got to play a Bethesda game on their Xbox 360. Because whether it was Oblivion or Fallout 3, I think both of those games get a lot of credit for being like the first time you began to understand that something was possible in a game of like, for me, it was oblivion and just being in, in this fantasy world and feeling like I have some sort of control over like the politics of what's going on and being in this ginormous Imperial city and robbing shops and just doing whatever I wanted. It was a major, like, Oh my God, I can't believe like, a game actually allows me to do this. I can't believe that because I uh, killed one random person in my playthrough, when I went to sleep, I woke up and a Dark Brotherhood member started talking to me because I can now get inducted into the murder cult. Like, those are the type of moments that are just kind of shocking your first time, especially when you're young and especially... I mean, at that time when gaming was especially young and uh, we're still kind of like having those discoveries. But those discoveries are drying up these days. And now things have to stand on their own and be good on their own more. And I think Bethesda's made the very wise decision of they're kind of going back to their roots a little bit more and going back to their style, which is no voice protagonist, uh, the zoom in on the conversations. Yeah, it's not realistic, but these games aren't realistic. Like this is the Bethesda game style. I don't, I don't understand why you want like photo realistic conversations with NPCs because that's not what these games ever were. And the same goes for many of the gameplay elements because Bethesda games are jacks of all trades. They are not, like masters in one department, they give you a ton of options and they make all of those options competent. And if you think that you're going to get a call of duty level shooter here, it's not going to happen. If you think the dog fighting is going to be as good as an ace combat game, it's not going to happen. It's, it's about the fact that like all of this stuff can happen in this one package, but people are going to really hold his feet to the fire and give it hell because the base building isn't as intensive as the, I don't know, probably not the correct comparison, but let's say city skylines or something like they'll, they'll give it hell because it is not as good at doing a thing that a game that is specialized in that thing is. And I just think that's unfair. That is an unfair expectation to hold. And it, 
should never be held in my opinion, but uh, the, the overall gaming public seems to be thinking that way more and more these days. Um, I think we can kind of segment this conversation and I, w- I want to ask if you guys have anything more to say on Starfield. Also, there's a siren on my end if it comes through the recording. But anything more on uh, Starfield from you guys? I mean, admittedly on Starfield, I'm not a Bethesda Game Studios fan. I don't have this deep knowledge of game design or what to expect from them. I just kind of want to reiterate what I said before. I'm all right with critiquing Starfield. Again, I thought I, I would have liked to see some more color saturation. There was It was just too void of different colors some frame rate issues and i thought bits of the ui like the health bars above enemies was kind of i don't know why that kind of bothered me a bit so i hope that looks better but god of war it's just keep doing what you're doing make better boss fights really use as much of that ps5 hardware as you can i know you have to make a ps4 version i really wish you weren't but my expectations i think are in check starfield I don't have any expectations because I've never played a Bethesda game and God of War. I just want them to improve upon what they've already done. I don't need any drastic leaps. And I feel like people people want... I know not everyone does, but this game that's widely regarded to be a 10 out of 10 from a lot of outlets and individuals in the gaming industry and just gaming enthusiasts in general. Gamers. I just don't understand... No. I don't understand this logic where it's like, all right, this was a game I thought was a 10 out of 10. And the fact that it's sequel is not a 13 makes this a 7. I'm just. I feel like we're going to end up in that place. It doesn't make any sense to me, and that's that's really all I have to say on these last on these on these two games. I, I think. think uh, Mark, go ahead. Go ahead, and then I'll interrupt. With uh, with Starfield, I just think we. I feel like this is maybe me being in the wrong mindset, but like Peter said, there's no, we didn't see so much color, but the idea of exploring all these planets, I feel like we're bound to find some very colorful worlds, and I think there is a lot of this game that. Uh, Todd Howard and Bethesda are not showing us because they want us to discover it. I think if anyone... Why are you hiding color, though? Uh, Why is it like, guys, we have to keep the color close to the chest. We can't let them know yet. I mean, I think it's like looking at Bethesda's game studios and how... It's also the first Bethesda game that's coming out in a post-Breath of the Wild world. So I feel like where a lot of the discovery and magical moments are like some of the highlights of that game, they could totally take notes of that and be like, we're we're gonna have a lot of cool things for you to uh, explore and discover and we want to make sure you discover that so uh and this is just me speculating here maybe that's not what they're gonna do at all maybe those thousand planets really are gonna be the same like five ten colors but uh i i just really trust that there's just a lot that they don't want to show us and that's the way to do it i agree with that i i think there is more meat on the bone here for the uh, God of War Ragnarok discussion, because as Mark, you established like they they are two very different cases, but both of them are falling victim to this expectation game. I love your point of like, if it became more of a boss based game, like the original ones, that would be a really good turn for it. I do think from a like content of the game perspective, this game will receive hell to some extent if it's another like I I don't know if these are the right words, but the first God of War, the reboot, 
is kind of like moody and introspective. And that has a lot of advantages for the game because it is like a different tone that we've never seen in this series. It's also an advantage that the task feels reasonably small. Like the the whole point is to get the the mother's ashes to the top of the mountain. Like that feels like a small task that turns out to be bigger. I think I want, and what a lot of people will want is a big task that feels really big the entire time in this game. Um, and that's a tall task, but I do think that they have the setup to pull that off. Um, and that, I think if they came through on that type of thing, that would really impress people. People would be very happy with the game. There is one other element, though, which is uh, the the feeling I just mentioned with uh, Starfield. And I think it does extend to this game of people are starting to get antsy that they haven't seen a game that's like open their eyes to what games can be. It feels like in a, in a while, like technically speaking, I should say mm-hmm. like people can't quite get their mind around the fact that games might not look much better than this in the future. Like the, the improvements that we see from this point on are going to be more marginal and less like perspective shifting. Mm-hmm. Whenever I play a PS5, like a PlayStation first party, like whenever I look at Astro or Ratchet or Horizon Forbidden West, I really find myself thinking a lot, what else is there to do? What else needs to be done? I mean, at best, it's games that look this good and being basically games that can graphically look the best they can with a consistent 60 frames per second. And we're already nearing that as it is. I don't need any massive other graphical leaps. There aren't that many to be made, in my opinion. I completely agree. I think maybe VR is the place. Like, like oh the yeah, change we all know of is like the jump from PS2 to PS3 was so extreme. We'll never see that again. I don't think unless something incredible happens in VR. Unless if like we actually get Sword Art Online IRL, like everything you do in this in the game is an actual motion. IRL. Yeah, yeah, I said that. We don't talk like that on this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. I said. Oh, and bleep him. <laughs> Um, but, bleep him and then I say and bleep what I say and then keep in we don't talk like that on this podcast yeah, um, yeah, I'll definitely do that I know you will you always do, do. It, do it but uh, I think if we got scorn in VR maybe that's what would be really cool for people if people got <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you if people could just swim in the guts of eldritch beings and maybe they'll realize I've never done this before in a game wow <laughs> and then they can think of themselves, maybe I don't need to do this right now <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm good I think and maybe even here's a different angle on God of War specifically. Maybe there's so much more pressure on God of War from the PlayStation fan base because so many of them feel like they have been betrayed by The Last of Us Part Two, where they thought, "Oh my God, The Last of Us, which used to be the holy grail of video games, has been sullied by this this narrative that does not is not great. It is so bad." Uh, and now these people are pointing at God of War like, "Please don't be bad. You have to be amazing." Thoughts. Do you think that's part of this at all? Peter, do you have any thoughts on that? 
I, I'm not. I was gonna say this is coming from someone. We're asking someone who does not like Last of Us Part Two right now, but not for the same reasons that everybody does. Come back to me. Come back to me because it's I, a very good question. Yeah, it, it is a good question. It's an unanswerable question, but it's a good one to think about. Mm-hmm. It's um, on the table at the very least. I think that plays a, a part in this. In the world of the history of what PlayStation first parties have been putting out over the like past couple of years, I feel like. Uh, the last of us and god of war sit at the top and last of us part two i don't know if that changes it i don't think that changes the legacy personally of quality because i still think last of us part two is a very good game oh, but god of war right and peter we know how you feel sit down unless if you have something to say about this question in particular not yet but i just want to i know there's no reiterating you can listen to every episode of this show and probably find the explanation somewhere all right, you <laughs> hate. All right, I'll, I'll back off. I'll back off. Um, but I think there's at least a little bit of something there. But I think the the other end of PlayStation first party is more to blame for this mindset, which is a lot of people really liked Miles Morales. Very similar to that first game, they didn't really take a step there. Uh, a lot of people also really liked Forbidden West. Very similar to that first game. They didn't they didn't take much of a step there. It's much better though. It's much better than Zero Dawn. I could say that as the one who played it. I do think they took a substantial step, but that's just me. But it's it's the the sense that the first one blew us away and we want the second one to make us feel the same, but in reality the second one is just a sequel and the the last crucial part here as to why that's not good enough is that these games take five to seven years now um if the sequels came out three years later i think people would be way more forgiving like i actually like i'm i'm using it as part of my narrative here but like no one's really mad about miles morales because that came out in like two years but when the sequel that looks a lot like the first one takes six years that's a little harder pill to swallow. People really weren't mad at Uncharted Lost Legacy either. That's true. So Miles is not the only example. Miles is not the Miles is the second type of game of this, and they're two for two right now in their attempts of making these sorts of games. No one's complained. They've reviewed very well and sold it even better. So I don't see any reason why if they release more games of that oak that people would suddenly sour on them. Because Miles and Lost Legacy don't take as long to make as mainline games. What do you guys expect from God of War Ragnarok? I should say. I think I, I laid out what I want. I just want. Uh, I could. I would take the same combat, but a narrative that really ends with a bang. That's all I need from this game for it to be great. I want. I I didn't really know what I wanted until this conversation, but I am, I am on board with you, Mark, about how I want it to be more boss fight oriented. In fact, one thing that kind of made me mad about the first game was that they at least present it to you as if it's a boss fight at the beginning. And then you quickly realize it's not like there's, there's like one type of rock giant that you just face like over and over and over again. Um, and I was going into this assuming like, Oh, this is a taste of the classic God of war bosses. And it just wasn't, it was actually just one bigger enemy that you faced a bunch of times. And Mm -hmm. then there were a few, boss fights and those ended up uh 
being eventful and fun, but I definitely could have used more. Um, but before this point, I think I was kind of in the boat of looks pretty similar. So I think the last element that I need is I want them to have like anywhere from one to three gameplay developments where it's like, oh man, I wasn't expecting to have this rope to swing in in puzzles or something or to swing across a chasm. But this rope is actually really cool. So I'm happy about it. Like it doesn't have to be monumental, but if they give me a few little things like that, where it's like, oh wow, cool little element in this game that I didn't think was going to be here. That would satisfy me. Like I totally believe that they're going to add a mechanic or two into this game that they just haven't shown off yet. If they want to show it off, maybe they don't have to. I don't know. Like, a big I could see it being like, a playable Atreus later in the game. I mean, I totally think that'll happen. I feel like this is. I feel like it's got to happen at some point, or at least a handful of major fights. Or at least if you like, want a leap, that's the leap. I can't think of anything else they could possibly do. Like the thing with that, if, if we want to call that a leap, like if we look at Last of Us Part One, where you play as Ellie for a small chapter. But uh, that's just same character who uses guns. Those are two characters who use guns. This would be a completely different character with a completely different play style. And the question to ask there is just like, is it God of War anymore if you're not playing as someone like Kratos, who is all-powerful, uh, where an Atreus obviously does not have the strength that Kratos has anymore? That's like, a leap, though. If they make God of War a game where you no longer play as the God of War, that's change. That's massively different from everything well, we've known. What if Atreus shows a desire to be a part of woke culture? What then, Peter? Well, okay, well, here's <laughs> if I'm in the writing room, here's what we do. When the first 10 minutes of the game, you make sure Atreus comes out as uh, bisexual right off the bat, just really drill home how progressive we are. And then about an hour and a half into the game, have Atreus kill Kratos, and then for the next 30 hours, just play as Atreus. And I think everyone would really like that. And then, for every, like, five hours the game progresses, like, the more woke Atreus becomes. And, like, just shits talk his dad, you know, Peter, that's the game. Yeah, just like, I am really glad he's dead. You can get Black Lives Matter shirts as unlockables after completing a side missions, the pride flag, of course, mm -hmm. it just comes with the day one pre-order. Oh, and put Mark and I in the Sony Santa Monica marketing room. And <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything that would make the gamers happier. The big twist at the end of the game is Atreus changes his pronouns to they, them. And everyone just starts breaking down crying. I mean, as Ragnarok is happening. As Ragnarok <laughs> is happening. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I th I think that's the route that PlayStation should go down. Uh, it's it would clearly be extremely popular, and there definitely wouldn't be any uh, nameless Twitter avatars mad about it. Can we just say we don't need to get political? How f I have my massive issues with Last of Us Part Two, but the fact it's so when the uh Joel spoilers for last of us part two Adam. even though we shouldn't have to do this okay 
the fact that when Joel's death was leaked before the game came out, and the fact that so many people issue with it, oh, he's murdered by a trans person. He's murdered by a trans person. It's just a woman with arms. Yeah, that's yeah. all it was. That's all it took for people to go feral. Just fucking. It's it'll never not be crazy to me that a woman being buff automatically led thousands of insecure weirdos to go. That's a trans man. That's a that's just the woke is killing the straight guy. Oh, it's really, really good encapsulation of just where we are. Yeah, is it a good encapsulation? Or I mean, if, well, if you have been in a coma for the last twenty years and it says and you ask how are things today, I would give that's one of the examples I would give to them. Be like, well, this is where we're right. This is where we are. Yeah, that's that's pretty bleak. Uh, and, you know, I just want to make sure bases are covered. And if you can't tell by it, where we shifted this conversation, everything we just talked about was a joke. Doesn't actually make us mad. <laughs> Do we have to include that? I feel like I it's know. obvious. It can be I, important. I don't know. We we can have some fairly dry sarcasm. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave room for, like, future cancellation <laughs> i don't want ma getting here this and go this is my gaming podcast like it absolutely is not no thank you yes we i agree with that we know each other we know how we're joking about it a listener who doesn't know us maybe doesn't know that so i think it's fair to cover the base well if you want to get to know us we won't be your friend but we'll read your emails at uh bny gaming pod at gmail.com i never i haven't checked the email in a while let's see if there's anything there oh let's do, do it that. right now this is a gonna be a sad live reading yeah. because, <laughs> the end of the episode anyway because uh there there are none unfortunately one day it'll be filled um are we done here are we ready to get out of here i have had to violently shit for the last like 30 minutes oh, oh peter man. you're not but i have been a you're good boy i'm not rushed or said anything and i've just been patient you're not done yet, Peter. And oh, and no, I, I am. Oh, I, I am. I, oh, I, Mark, I, 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 I know, Mark. I, I will end do. my recording. I, I'm telling you, I am done. I genuinely do have a question for you guys because we talked about what Peter. Oh, you also did. I don't think you explained God. what you want from God of War either. Owen and Peter. Peter, you said you might play Starfield, right? You're kind of interested. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding. Like jokes aside, this is an important question. You were great, right? Yeah. He said, "I remember you talking about." I just want to know. Because you didn't really talk about it there. What are your guys' expectations for Starfield and Peter? Oh, my gosh. We'll start with Owen on Starfield and then double dip for you, Peter. Starfield, my expectations are a Bethesda game that comes back to its roots. And I expect to have some good quest lines, especially pertaining to the factions. I don't have any expectations. As I said earlier, Mark, you're saying I never gave them my thoughts. I did give my thoughts. I said I don't have any expectations because I've never played a Bethesda Game Studios game before, and I'm just going in with an open mind. I guess, but like, even from what we've shown, you've seen of the game, like, surely there's something like you're hoping from the game. Like, no, while you're playing it, it's not just like, oh, I just, I will just play this. what it is. So I don't no- have any expectations or things to really hope for because I don't really know how bethesda works with their games i don't know what to expect i've never played a game like this before in my life so you're nothing about the game specifically is what's drawing you in it is just by name and 
nature of it coming out. What do you mean right? not drawing me in? I've What's seen. Well, but you said it? what I'm hoping for. Yeah, what are, you're hoping? Well, like what draws you into it, and what you're hoping that kind of translates into? Like, what what do you? I don't have into? anything that I hope it translates into. I just I, want to. Oh, and am I being dumb? No, what am I doing? I, I'm to the point where I think the content will be better if we just allow Peter to take a shit. <laughs> yeah, like okay. I don't know. I, yeah, please. The God of War and God of War. The God Wars. Okay. I'm begging right. this to be over. Okay, then you're right. I think that we might get that. Owen, I think it's time. It is time. BNY, episode 65. Peter is allowed to go relieve himself now. Yay! Goodbye, everybody. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs>